This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. And welcome to the relaunch of Finsider Radio. My name is Matthew Kanata. I am your new host. I am joined by James Radio, Fiera, and Radio, we call it as a nickname, and Aaron Sutton, who obviously goes by the name Sutton. And of course, working behind the scenes, is James McKinney. We are back. We've been off the air for a few weeks. Well, I, I shouldn't say we because this is pretty much a brand new team. Um, James McKinney has come back and has worked with us, thankfully, um, spreading his knowledge onto us. We are going to be live every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Throughout the season, we may add another show during the week, depending on what's going on. We may add a show on a Sunday after a huge Dolphins win, for example, when they beat the Seattle Seahawks in week one by a large margin, we'll likely come on the air and just celebrate and talk about everything that we want to talk about there. Absolutely. So training camp is just a few days away. The timing of the show relaunching is not by accident. Um, Football season is pretty much back. And in Miami, we have a brand new regime under head coach Adam Gase, a brand-new coaching staff. We have defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. We have offensive coordinator Clyde Christensen. But let's be real there. The man doing all the work on the offensive side of the ball is going to be Adam Gase. Uh, we have a whole new staff, like I just mentioned, quite a few new players on the team, a lot of young guys. And Adam Gase, in his press conference today, said that as he begins his first training camp as a head coach, it feels the same to him as it always has. Remember, Adam Gase has been coaching for a very long time, has had stops in college, has had stops throughout the NFL with the Denver Broncos, other places, with the San Francisco 49ers, with the Detroit Lions even for a year or so. 
and and now finally he's landed in Miami as a head coach, his first in his career. He said that this has been one of the youngest teams he has been a part of, but he said that's a good thing in a way because he doesn't have to worry about giving days off for the players, uh, for the veteran players, which he does plan to do for guys like Cameron Wake and Brandon Albert and others. Coming off the 6-10 and 10 season, Adam Gase said that they've got a lot of work to do. Interesting enough, he only mentioned New England, didn't mention the Buffalo Bills, didn't mention the New York Jets, and as we all know, the Bills and Rex Ryan and the Jets have been a thorn in the Dolphins' side over the past several years under head coach, former, I'm sorry, former head coach Joe Philbin. Uh, it always seemed like the Dolphins were not prepared under Joe Philbin, and especially against division opponents. Adam Gase also talking today to the media and to all of us said that New England has had a huge grasp on the division on AFC East since 2001, and that in order to get them, in order to catch them and knock them off their throne, he promised everyone at his training camp and possibly sending a message to the players just a few days away. He said his training camp is not going to be a cupcake, and we're here to work. Some have mentioned that the weather during training camp, what's that going to be like? Adam Gase believes that the heat will be a huge advantage for him and the players and how they get prepared for the season. We know that Dolphin Stadium is currently undergoing renovations. They're adding the big canopy roof, but let's make no mistake about it. There is no canopy right above the playing field. It is going to be hot for the players on the field, cool in comparison to before for the fans in the stands. And look at that, guys, my first rhyme of the night. I am here every Tuesday if you want to hear that. (laughs) Um, But going back to football right away, radio, Adam Gase, new coach, new coaching staff, Vance Joseph, Clyde Christensen, new, pretty much new front office with all the changes that went on. Even we see a new facility uh, with the paint job and the movement of things and new pictures up on the walls. Radio, what are you looking forward to? What do you think is going to happen with training camp? How do you think it's going to be? Remember, the cautionary table, Kale, Joe Philbin was highly praised in his first year in training camp. And every year after that, it was always innovative. So should we drink the Kool-Aid already or should we be cautiously optimistic? Uh, it's funny. Funny you mentioned Philbin. I mean, when they when they made the Gates hire, I I definitely saw a lot of comparisons immediately right off the bat. But you know, the more you pull the curtain back, you can see really how different these guys are. Uh, the vibes coming out of OTAs, um, just uh, from hearing everything the players were saying about about Gase, about the way he's conducting practice, about how competitive it is. Um, you know, how he's talking trash with the players telling the defense that they're going to throw all over them in practice. Um, these are things that are new um, to the Miami Dolphins. That um, I don't ever recall hearing any of, the, any of the new coaches coming in and doing these types of things. And let's be honest, there have been quite a few new coaches in the past 10 years that have come in through the doors. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear those kinds of things coming out from players already. Um, uh, as you mentioned, he's a highly touted, um, you know, a guy who was calling plays, scripting plays, has some, you know, NFL legends that speak very, very highly of him and his, his football acumen clearly been able to adjust. I mean, he's coached, he's coached and won on the offensive side of the football with Tim Tebow and he's coached and won with Peyton Manning and you couldn't really get any difference, uh, between two quarterbacks there. So, um, those are all really positive signs. And, you know, the more I looked at it, the, the more you really got the feeling like this, this actually is something different. 
So um, I'm, I'm really positive. I'm loving all the stuff I'm hearing. Uh, I'm loving hearing the guy speak. He seems like he's a leader of men, unlike uh, some of the last few coaches that have come through here. Um, and uh, it seems like he's going to bring a lot of innovation to the offense. I know we've heard that before, but I actually believe it this time. Um, and, you know, I guess we're going we're gonna to find out right off the bat, uh, as you mentioned, at Seattle week one. So um, we'll, uh, we'll, that's a pretty good measuring stick to see, uh, to see where we're at as a football team and, and what Adam Gase is going to bring, uh, you know, right from the get-go. So um, you will have a, a pretty good idea, I would think, at, at least through the first quarter of the season, just, uh, just the kind of difference that he's going to make or he will have made with the team so far. Hey, good evening, boys. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, the short answer is yes, I am going to drink the Kool-Aid, uh, but it might be nice just to sneak in a little bit of vodka in there just in case we're not that good this year. <laughs> but in terms of, of looking at Adam Gase, I'm I'm very intrigued by his the coaching staff that he's worked with. We're talking Mike Martz, uh, John Fox, uh, Dick Satan, um, otherwise known as Nick Saban, uh, Steve Mariucci, and Josh McDaniels. It's a very interesting mix of offensive and defensive philosophies, and I think it's just a very interesting marketplace of ideas that he's had to borrow from. Uh, but the two kind of common themes that I feel coming from uh, what I've seen about Adam Gase's uh, adaptation and competition, and I think radio has already uh, touched on some of those points, um, but those are two variables that I'm willing to take a plunge with with any coach. Uh, we can expect a team that they're going to compete and they're going to adapt, but we may not have all the talent that we meet, that we need right now, but I do foresee us uh, being a tough out for everyone. Think about how many injuries were on offense on the Chicago team that Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator for and how many games they were still in the fourth quarter. I think we're going to be involved in a lot of close games, and we're going to see what this team is made of. But I like yeah, that there seems to be a, a, a combination of finesse and grit with him, and, and, and the AFC East, you have to be a gritty team. And I think he can get us there. It seems to be, you know, coaching just seems to be his true passion. And uh, and he seems like he can actually use it to his advantage instead of just theorizing about it in a textbook. He can actually use it and connect with his players. And you got to go back to the first thing that he did was release Jason Fox. I mean, how do you start your coaching <laughs> and you're better than that? Great point, Sutton. Great point. Um, and we were, you know, as, as we were talking before, uh, you know, we got into starting starting the uh, the podcast season just about, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase and that relationship that they're going to have. And, and that's ultimately going to be, you know, the, the greatest measuring stick for this season is to, to see how Ryan Tannehill progresses. And uh, one of the things I had said to you guys previously was, you know, the, the numbers for Tannehill are, are good. I mean, they've, you know, statistically speaking, he's, you know, a, a good to, you know, upper tier quarterback from a statistical standpoint. Um, but the problems that we all see as fans are the consistency when it matters, uh, you know, on third down in the fourth quarter. So, you know, from a statistical standpoint, I don't know if Gase is going to get much more out of Tannehill, but what we're going to be looking at or what I'm going to be looking at really closely is how he performs on third down and how he performs in the fourth quarter when the, with the game on the line. And, you know, if, if he just plays better in those situations and, um, you know, then, then I think, you know, I'm going to be really excited about the, uh, the Adam Gase tenure uh, here in Miami. And I think those are the, uh, the positive signs to, uh, to be looking for, you know, closely at 
uh, early on and, and throughout this season with the Dolphins. Radio Sun, you both made very good points, and I asked, I asked you right off the bat, I said, do we drink the Kool-Aid? And for me, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid 187%. I have a 32-ounce mug in one hand, a 64-ounce <laughs> bottle in the other hand, and I am double-fisting both my Kool-Aid bottles as we speak right now. I'm a guy who's <laughs> half full all the time. Um, you know, I defended Joe Philbin until pretty much a few weeks before he was fired. I always tried to find the silver lining in everything. And with Adam Gase, I mean, the signs are there. The, the beat writers are excited about him. Even Armando Salguero, who is infamously known for, you know, being brutally honest to the point, he is praising Adam Gase left and right over the past several days about how there's going to be a new culture in Miami, how he's different than the other coaches who have come. And you guys mentioned Nick, Nick Satan, and many <laughs> describe him as a defensive mind genius. And many in the NFL and even college have uh, compared Adam Gase to Nick Saban in terms of being that mastermind on the offensive side of the ball. And we have heard things about him doing that. We have heard everything with, with Gase in terms of scheming the proper way and putting guys in, their, in the best situations possible. Uh, making a different game plan every single week, who he said learned from, of course, New England Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. But just listen to to Adam Gase's coaching career. He started in 2000 as a Louisiana State graduate assistant, 2001 and 2002 as a recruiting assistant, Detroit Lions, 2003 to 2004, scouting assistant. Um, Then he was promoted to an offensive assistant in 2005, quarterbacks coach in 2007, offensive assistant in 2008 with the 49ers, 2009 with the Broncos as a wide receivers coach, then the quarterbacks coach in 2011, then the offensive coordinator in 2013, then with the Bears in 2015, and now finally with the Dolphins as head coach in 2016. So if you have a resume like that when you're trying to go into the workforce, then you're not getting hired. But in terms of Adam Gase and all the skills that this guy has, all the offensive masterminds that he has learned from, everything else that he has done throughout his entire career all culminates with him being a head coach. Now, we need to be uh, remindful of the fact that this is his first time being a head coach. No matter how good someone is, no matter how smart someone is, they're going to make mistakes. So we need to be patient with that. We're going to see maybe some blunders with the clock management, maybe some blunders with the way he handles players throughout the week or during the season as a whole. So, again, like Armando Salguero, the Miami Herald, said earlier today in his column, we need to be patient with Adam Gase. The Miami fan base in general in all the sports is very ruthless. But with Adam Gase, the Dolphins might finally have someone different. He's 38 years old. He's young. He's hungry. The Dolphins passed up guys like, Mike Shanahan, who they they liked, but when it came down to it, they weren't sure that if the Dolphins got into a rut, if they got into a um, you know a slump there, then he would not be as enthusiastic to to be uh, getting through that that part of the season. Adam Gase, they don't have any worries with that at all. So that is one thing we're going to be looking for with training camp. We're going to see everything that Adam Gates has to offer. And one guy who knows a lot 
about Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins in general is NFL insider Max Timmelrich. And we interviewed Max, and he's joining us right now. So we'll get to him. We'll have him answer some questions for us and see what he has to say about the current state of the Miami Dolphins. We're having some technical difficulties with Max. Uh, let me just get him on the phone real quick, try to pull him up again. Again, Max Himmelrich with thedeependmiami.com and also writes for us. The and joining us here now we go. is Max Himmelrich, the owner and founder of thedeependmiami.com and writer also for us, thevincenter.com. Max, you have a lot of information that spreads out of Miami that is, we've training him just a few days away. What can you tell us about Adam Case? We've been talking about quite a bit on the show already. Several years ago, 
any word on him, I know his, his status is in limbo right now with the NFL and the Miami Dolphins and they are not really sure. But once he does come back, what are the plans the Dolphins may have for him? Yeah, no one knows when he'll come back right now with the NFL fans. He was, he was after Josh Gordon in terms of the pecking order of application. So it would make sense that Josh Gordon has first back and the Dolphins uh, not yet. But moving forward, I think, you know, in Cincinnati, fans showed that when he was coaching secondary, up front, had a defensive coordinator who was working with long, you know, long arms like defensive linemen, like the Art Turner. And the Art Turner would be a huge asset being able to drop back. You know, the Dolphins need to, they're going to need to stop an extra man for secondary, which means that they're going to really need help linebackers and defensive ends. And if you have a guy like the Art Turner who, in a pinch, could play either, I think the home is going to be defensive ends. But in a pinch, could play either position. That's a huge boost. We're talking with Matt Kimmelrich, founder and owner of the DeepEndMiami.com, also deals with some digital content for the NFL Network. Max, before we let you go, and again, thank you for joining us, what are you looking forward to the most with training camp opening up at the end of the week? I'm looking forward to getting down there and getting a little training camp stand going on. But really, I think I'm excited to watch the receivers and quarterbacks. I mean, it could just be a field day for those wide receivers. And I'm really excited about Jordan, the guy I'm most excited about for next season. And I think it could be a huge difference maker for the Dolphins season. All right, Max, thanks again for joining us. That's Max Miller to the DefenseMiami.com. He'll be with us pretty much every week for his own segment. He has plenty of Dolphins information that us, us others might not necessarily have. Max, enjoy your evening. And again, thank you for calling in. Thanks so much, Matt. All right, that was Max Kimmelrich, as we just noted. Um, Max will be joining us every week pretty much for insider segment. He has tons of insider news that not all of us know about, as we mentioned, digital content for the NFL Network and has plenty of connections through his work on his website. We are going to get back to what Max said in terms of Xavier Howard and Deion Jordan and, and the other stuff. But first, we're going to take our live callers, and we have some questions on Twitter and our live thread. If you want to call into the show, you can reach us at 347-326-9461. Again, that's 347-326-9461. Call us. We'll put you on hold. We'll bring you on the air. You'll ask us your question. We'll answer it, and then you will go to bed knowing a lot more than you did before you called in. And our first caller tonight is Dolphin Fan for Life. That's a number four and life with an L-Y-F-E. And Dolphin Fan for Life, welcome to the show. Thank you for calling. You want to talk about trading, trading for alignment. What do you mean about that? What do you want to do? Um, well, first off, uh, it's, it's kind of a win-win situation because currently Dallas is down three defensive linemen, I think. And, of course, they seem to be pumping out offensive guards like crazy. I mean, they have Zach Martin and a few others that just simply there may not be the roster space or the playing time to fit all of them in the in the same mold. On the other hand, there is also a chance that they could find themselves trading like Orlando Skandrick or somebody like that. Um, one thing that we have a lot of depth at seems to be pass rush. Sure, we have two older people 
with Cam Wake and Mario Williams. But after that, you have a lot of promising talent with, like, Chris McCain, Terrence Fade, um, Jason Jones, um, and there's a couple other ones that just, from a player standpoint, it could make sense with a trade. Yeah. All um, right. Well, hey, Finn Fan for Life. Thanks for calling in. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and field that one. Um, there is definitely a ton of depth on the uh, on the defensive line right now for the Dolphins. That's uh, very very well uh, very very well um, you know established. Um, especially if they if they are getting Deion Jordan back, as uh, as Matt uh, was talking about previously. Um, you know, I don't know who the odd man out is there. I don't know uh, what Dallas would be willing to give up. Um, certainly, um, you know, you mentioned Zach Martin. I, I mean, yeah, that would be that'd be fantastic if we could get Zach Martin. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe a corner, obviously, with the Xavier Howard uh, injury happening. So, um, you know, if they if they do have some some extra depth there, like an Orlando Scadrick, but we need a we need a perimeter guy, and he's more of a slot player, but. Definitely something to keep an eye on throughout camp, especially if Deion Jordan comes back, um, if they are able to make a trade for, for one of those guys from the defensive line. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be giving up too much for, uh, for Deion Jordan, given his history. Um, but definitely some of the other guys that they have in there. Um, you know, Cameron Wake's not going anywhere. Mario Williams isn't going anywhere. And Dominick Sue isn't going anywhere. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if, you know, Earl Mitchell or, uh, you know, one of those other guys gets moved, um, you know, one of the, the depth guys, because they are, they are pretty stacked there. Um, you know, fellas, I don't know if you have anything you want to chime in on that one, but uh, that's that's kind of how I would I would think about it. Obviously, it's really early, and you know, a lot's going to happen uh, before you know the time training camp ends. No, I think you did a great job answering it, and we'll go on to our next question again. Dolphin fan for life, thank you for calling in. Moving over to the Twitter side, uh, Ryan Greenhaw at Ryan Greenhaw, T R E N H A W V S sixty nine followers. Uh, coincidence or not, we'll see. Uh, but give him a follow, push him past that 69 mark, or if you want to keep him at 69, you are more than welcome to do so. But he asks, with the recent news on Howard, Xavier Howard, of course, do you feel we, meaning the Dolphins, need to rush to sign a free agent cornerback like Cromartie or Leon Hall? Sutton, uh, your thoughts? Um, I'm not so sure. I, I'm, I'm admittedly a, a Tony Lippett fan. Um, but I did do a training camp series on the Finsider, and the very first battle that I put was Xavier Howard and Tony Lippett because I thought it was a very intriguing matchup. And the poll results revealed that more Finsiders thought that Tony Lippett was going to win anyway. So I don't think it's necessarily that shocking that Tony Lippett would get the starting job even if it were uh, a man-versus-man battle. Um, but it is uh, disheartening to have our second-round draft pick who, you know, perceivably was going to uh, c- contribute to a very great competition here, um, be sidelined, and, you know, that young man's going to be missing out on a very crucial aspect of the season in terms of earning the coach's trust. Uh, so I think Tony Lippett definitely, definitely benefits in this situation. And, frankly, uh, we want to see our young guys play and see what we have in these guys. This is something that has escaped us fans uh, for a few years now where we feel we just don't have a good – uh, understanding on the young players that we have and how they've been developed so far. So I want to see Tony Lippett out there, and for what it's worth, he was our highest-rated PFF cornerback last year. Uh, granted, he didn't qualify because he only played 137 snaps, uh, but if you projected that over a 16-game season, 
Um, he's he was uh, like in the in the mid twenties in terms of ranking. Yeah, I would um you know and just to hop in really quick here, guys, I, I wouldn't be opposed to them signing a, a Leon Hall. I, I don't really see Cromarty being a fit uh, personally. I mean, Hall knows the system. He could be kind of a mentor guy that could come in. He's played under Vance Joseph previously in the past with Cincinnati, um, you know, and and done well. So I wouldn't be opposed to bringing a guy like him in um, just for, for depth purposes. I like Tony Lippett as well. Um, you know, we've, we've offlined about that one as well, fellas. And, and I, I really feel like he's shown a natural proclivity to play the cornerback position. He's long, he's athletic, and, and he's, uh, you know, he might not have that blazing straight line speed, but he's, he seemed to be able to keep up with the receivers in, in limited playing time last and, year. And when he, he seems was on the to field. move well, Radio. Right? Yeah. yeah, sorry to chime in there, but he just seems to move well for a big guy. Back to you. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. So, but yeah, just bringing somebody in for depth, obviously with the injuries, given that it's definitely the thinnest uh, position uh, on the, on the team, I, I would, I would be okay with that. We'll see what happens with the depth. The Dolphins of course have some concerns with that. We'll get back to the cornerback situation in just a bit. We have another question on Twitter from Esteban Sabrero. I think I'm pronouncing it right. S A Z underscore Dolphin. D-O-L-F-A-N. Be sure to give him a follow. He has 800 of them. Uh, looks like he might be pretty popular out there considering his follower-to-following ratio. But he asks, how big will the support of Ryan Tannehill by Adam Gates be for his development? But also, how high can his ceiling be this year? And I'm going to take this question because I have plenty of information on Ryan Tannehill that I've acquired over the past several years. Um, if you recall, after Joel Fieldman was fired, the stories always come out when a head coach is fired, and we found out that Ryan Tannehill did not have the support of Joel Philbin at all, and it was way worse than I thought it was because I had heard rumblings back two seasons ago that there wasn't much support there, but I thought things may have turned for the better. Uh, I'll bring you back to the London game uh, when they faced the Oakland Raiders two years ago, the game where Dennis Allen, former head coach of the Raiders, got fired right after, and Leading up to that game, Joel Philbin was adamant about benching Ryan Tannehill, and it got so bad that Stephen Ross had to step in and tell Joel Philbin that, no, you are not going to bench Ryan Tannehill. He is our quarterback. You are not going to play Matt Moore. Bill Lazor, offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator, was on board with Joel Philbin and actually preferred Matt Moore over Ryan Tannehill, not just that week going into London, but overall as a whole. So you could see when you got your head coach against you and when you got your offensive coordinator against you, I mean, where do you go from there? And then you add in the fact that the story comes out from Salguero that Joe Philbin days leading up to the draft a few years ago told his personnel department that he wanted to draft now Oakland Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. And so this stuff is going to get out there. Ryan Tannehill has to have known about it. So now you know your head coach doesn't like you. You know your offensive coordinator doesn't really like you. And now you find out that your head coach wanted to draft a guy to replace you. I mean, what the hell is that all about? You go into, you, you go in, you go into work tomorrow, right? You go into work tomorrow, your boss, you know your boss doesn't like you. You know your assistant supervisor doesn't like you. Their assistant supervisor doesn't like you. And then you find out that they're trying to hire someone to replace you. How is that going to make you feel? How productive are you going to be at work knowing that you may be out the door as soon as possible? Then Tannenbaum comes in, right, and he extends Tannehill. So then now you've got a little war going on between the front office and the coaching staff. 
And as we saw, we know who won that one. But the support, going back to the question, Esteban, how big will the support of Ryan Tannehill by Adam Gates be? It's going to be huge, you know, as our boy Donald Trump would say, and I don't mean that <laughs> literally. You know, it's going to be huge. Um, when, when a player has the support of their head coach and the support of their coaches and the support of their players, just the confidence that one has, we all have experienced it throughout life. When you, when you know people are confident in you, you just play better, you do better, you perform better. You produce much more than you would if you knew that the people closest to you or the people you thought were your friends didn't have any confidence in you. And, yeah, you might say, well, he's a professional. He needs to go out with a chip on his shoulder. That's just not human nature, and we, we know that. We all know that. It doesn't matter if you get paid $16 million a year or you get paid $75,000 a year. Everyone is a human. Some make more than others, but, it, but in a cerebral context of things, we all think similar. We all have the same emotions. We all have the same feelings. So this year, Adam Gates has gone to great lengths. He's even brought in other people, you know, and I really can't talk about that, but he's brought in other people close to him to work specifically with Ryan Tannehill and the quarterbacks in that room. And trust me when I say that Ryan Tannehill has all the support that he possibly needs going into this season. If Ryan Tannehill fails this season, there will be no excuses. There will be no ifs, ands, or buts. There will be no, well, did the coaching staff support him and put him in the best position to succeed? I can guarantee you 125% the coaching staff has put him in great position to succeed this coming season. That's the question on Tannehill. We have one more through our live thread that we're going to answer, and it comes from Alpha Six Finsider. He asked in the live thread and on Twitter, uh, threatened to attack me if I didn't answer the question. So here I am. And his <laughs> Twitter name is at Alpha6, the number six, Finsider, P-H-I-N-S-I-D-E-R. Alpha apparently thinks he is part of the Finsider crew using our spelling like that. But nonetheless, he asks the Dolphins situation <laughs> at linebacker, uh, what about it? Uh, what do we think on that? And you guys take it away. Well, Johnny, a.k.a. Alpha6, brings up a, an interesting question because I would say, uh, of the two position groups that most fans are concerned about, it's linebacker and quarterback at this point. And the linebacker situation, we we have a mix of uh, players that have performed and have been injured. We have a mix of young players. And uh, an interesting battle, I think, is on the weak side linebacker at looking at Neville Hewitt and Jelani Jenkins. Uh, Jelani Jenkins certainly broke out in 2014, uh, last year, uh, battled the injury bug a little bit, and it's, it's hard to say how much that had to do with his performance last year, but it certainly didn't measure up to what we were used to. And looking at uh, part of 2015, with Neville Hewitt playing so well against the New England Patriots, he just seemed to be all over the place. Now, I'm sure this is a little bit of recency bias, uh, but Neville Hewitt seems to be more in line with the prototype kind of hybrid linebacker safety types that can excel in pass coverage. He was a top 20 ranked PFF uh, pass coverage linebacker for us last year, and he did qualify for the uh, minimum snap count. And the way he moves around is just so athletic. It seems to be so effortless, and uh, we remember the play that he was running along Gronkowski on the sideline, so we know that he does have the athleticism uh, to make plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. Um, but perhaps the biggest key to the linebacker unit is Kiko Alonso in the middle. What do we get out of this guy? Radio, what do you think? 
Uh, Alpha, you, uh, you you bring up a big, que- you know, great question. Um, outside of cornerback and and maybe even including cornerback, linebackers, the uh, you know the the biggest question mark on the defense for me personally. Um, you know, Kiko Alonso, uh, very very talented as a rookie, uh, has had some some serious injury problems the last couple of years and just hasn't looked right since he tore his ACL after his rookie season. Um, Koamisi, we all know Koamisi. He's a you know solid. Strong side linebacker can play all three linebacker positions. Also has some health issues. Doesn't seem to be able to stay on the field for 16 games, so that's a question mark. Jelani Jenkins, uh, Sutton, you touched on it. I liked what I saw from him uh, in 2014, and then last year he just looked like a completely different guy. Um, I and I'm intrigued by Hewitt. Um, I really liked what I saw when he was on the field last year, much like Tony Lippett. Um, you know, seems like an athletic guy. He can cover. You mentioned that. Another wild card here is, is Deion Jordan. If he comes back, how they're going to use him. They could use him at a linebacker uh, position where they, they really have a need. Um, they, they definitely have a need uh, at the linebacker position. So um, if you're asking me to predict, I think the, uh, the, the, the starting three will be Hewitt, um, Alonzo, and Misi. How long they can stay healthy is anybody's guess. I, I think Misi has I, not Misi. I think Alonzo has a, uh, a bounce back season this year, um, and I think Hewitt makes a big step forward. And I think they're actually pretty solid from those two spots. Um, but getting three solid, healthy linebacker play uh, for the for the whole season, um, I don't see that happening. Uh, I think I think we're going to get you know some solid play out of some of the guys, and then uh, I think. The injury bug is probably going to bite at some point, but it's hard to predict when and uh, and who it's going to be. But, um, you know, the talent's there, just uh, whether or not they can stay healthy. Good stuff there. And one position that will, that we have seen has not been able to stay healthy over the past several years is the positions on the offensive line, especially last season, where it was just a complete disaster. The Dolphins drafted Laramie Tunsil uh, this past draft, predicted to be the number one pick in the, in the draft being selected by the Tennessee Titans before they traded out of that spot and gave it to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Minutes before the NFL draft began, 10 minutes to be exact, Tom Soul's Twitter account showed a video of him wearing a gas mask and smoking a substance from a bong. Although Tom Soul's agent, Jimmy Sexton, immediately explained that the account was hacked, it resulted in some teams taking Tom Soul off their draft boards entirely. For example, the Baltimore Ravens at number six and Tennessee Titans at number eight, both in desperate need of offensive tackle, passed over Tunsil and chose Ronnie Stanley and Jack Conklin, respectively. The Dolphins eventually picked him with the 13th overall pick. Jimmy Sexton, by the way, is the agent for Mike Tannenbaum. He is the agent for Adam Gase. He is the agent for Ndamukong Sue. And, oh, he's also the agent for Bill Parcells, who is a huge mentor to Mike Tannenbaum. And Jimmy Sexton has his hands all over the Miami Dolphins. And if you don't think that agents have influence in the NFL, then you are being naive. And I'm sure the Dolphins did get some valuable information. But the trust there, back and forth between the Dolphins and Sexton going back into their dealings with Sue, and just because he's agent for the, for the front office and the coaching staff, um, there has to be some trust there. And they're feeling each other out, and they know what to expect from each other. After, after he was drafted, Tunstall's Instagram account published a screenshot of a text requesting money from Ole Miss Assistant Athletic Director John Miller for rent, and so Tunsil's mother could pay her electric bill. During that post-draft press conference, which was pretty much a disaster, Tunsil admitted that he took money from an Ole Miss coach while a member of the school, but explained his Instagram account also had been hacked. The Dolphins, of course, brought him back to the facility and did not let him speak much in his introductory press conference, 
smart move by the Dolphins. They coached him very well. He's the highest-selected offensive lineman for the Dolphins since Jake Long in 2008 and the highest-drafted Ole Miss player since Patrick Willis in 2007. He officially signed his rookie contract on May 6, 2016. And here's where it gets confusing, and, so, and maybe you can help me with this, because the Miami Dolphins, the reports from the Dolphins have been saying that Laramie Tunsil may not even start opening day. Fill us in. I'm calling BS, MC Money, <laughs> BS. Look, um, to get real with you, he, he brought a perfect storm to this uh, initiation as a professional in the NFL. Oh my gosh, can you, can you imagine a more bizarre story than what this young man has encountered already? So I can only strictly think of this as a motivational tactic to get under his skin. Think of the chip on his shoulder that – if the initial projections were correct and how competitive he was technique-wise, how sound he was, if we can get this guy pissed off at the entire world and just want to demolish everything, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Richmond Webb right now. But, but anyway, uh, you know, he was an elite prospect, an exceptional draft value. And, you know, he brought a little THC potpourri with him. I will grant that, but that doesn't really scare me that much. Um, but going back to Chris Greer's comments, he was the number two, number three guy on our board. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, the leaked draft board that came out on the Internet, showed him as the number three prospect that they had on their board. Um, obviously, we want to have no corroboration on that. But if we were to take that at face value – and to consider how well the Cowboys have evaluated offensive line talent recently, I think we have to feel pretty good about the value that we got at number 13 that this guy slid to us. So uh, this video may be um, something that comes back to (laughs) be a unique spark in the right direction for us. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if something like this is something that, that changed the face of this organization and the way that we win uh, ball games. Um, but, you know, among my three Dolphin nightmares, we got Mark Colombo, Jason Fox, and Dallas Thomas starting on the offensive line. And uh, there's just nothing I want to do with uh, Dallas Thomas starting at guard. And honestly, there have been no pads at this point. So how can we even conclude that he is so leaps and bounds behind Dallas Thomas that he has a lot of work to do? And like you, I'm calling complete BS as well. Adam Gates said today that he doesn't know if Tunsil will be first or second team when camp opens. He said it may be up to the offensive line coach and could alternate in practice. He said that uh, Larry Tunsil will be moved around first, second team at times. Amala Salguero says he'll be the starting left guard for the regular season opener. We know Salguero has a lot of inside information. Gates did say he is in no rush to declare a starting offensive line. He's noncommittal on Tunsil or any other guards for that matter. We'll see. I mean, I have talked to you guys over the past several weeks as we were getting ready for the show and mentioned that in the NFL, you cannot hand a rookie anything, uh, even if they're the first overall pick. These veterans will take exception to it. Remember, as much as we don't like Dallas Thomas and what he has done for the Dolphins or lack thereof, for that matter, know, know that these guys are in the locker room together. Know that these guys train together. Know that these guys sweat together on that field, put in the work, and they form a bond. And when you bring in someone new, that bond may strengthen a little bit between those guys who have been on the team. So, really, 
you need to make Tunsil prove it. And Adam Gaze has no qualms about making it even tougher for Tunsil. So when he does get that starting job, then it is going to be much more satisfying to Tunsil that he accomplished this. And even so, it's going to show the others on the team that this guy was not handed a single thing, and they had to work his ass off to get that starting position. So, And one more quick thing from you, then we'll jump it on to radio. Yeah, in my heart of hearts, I'm, I'm thinking the real battle's not at left guard. I think that's Tunsil's. I agree with Armando. I think the real battle's at right guard between Craig Urbic, uh, Jamil Douglas, Dallas Thomas, Billy Turner, and Jermon Bushrod. Bushrod, Bushrod, Bushrod. I love to say Bushrod. Anyway, I had to get that out of my system. Um, we're, we're looking at five guys competing for one position here. You'd like to think that the cream will uh, rise and we'll be able to to play the best five players this year. And I, uh, I certainly hope you guys are right about the, uh, the BS thing, because I, my, my heart can't take another season of Dallas Thomas playing anywhere, anywhere on the offensive line. If you know, if he even makes the team after you, I mean, seriously, if you think about the, the, the names you just mentioned, you got those five guys uh, going for that spot on the right guard at the right guard. Um, I, I don't know if Dallas Thomas makes the team, to be honest. I mean, with the, the amount of talent that they brought in on the offensive line. So um, clearly believe that that Tunsil will be the, the starter from day one at left guard. Um, you know, they're definitely making him earn it, which I'm fine with. Um, but there's, there's just, I don't see how uh, these guys that they brought in are, you know, allegedly smart. So um, they've seen Dallas Thomas play. Um, we've all seen Dallas Thomas play enough. He's played a lot and enough. So I don't think there's any any real reason for him to uh, to continue to play uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Um, one other thing, quick note, you know, with Tunsil being obviously a, a standout left, left tackle in college, um, the Dolphins do uh, have a tendency for drafting offensive linemen and playing them out of position, and it seems to be uh, something they're doing again here. Uh, hopefully this time it actually works out. I do see him, you know, in the near future being, being that next season or, you know, maybe two, most likely next season kicking out to left tackle and, uh, you know, taking over for Brandon Albert and seeing if he's going to either take a pay cut and uh, move inside to play guard or, um, you know, have him, uh, you know, his time with the Miami Dolphins and after next, after this season, um, love Brandon Albert, not disparaging anything against him. Really, really happy to have him on the offensive line and at the left tackle position because he is a stud. Um, but if you're going to invest that much money in, in Tunsil and that high of a draft pick, uh, you definitely have to believe in the talent. And, uh, and I definitely do. So um, we'll see, um, you know, if you're ask, asking just for a, for a prediction for an offensive line starting, uh, you got Albert at left tackle, Tunsil at left guard, Pouncey. Uh, I think Bushrod is going to win, not just because we like saying his name, but I think he's actually yes! a good player. Please win. Uh, yes, for the, uh, for the right guard. And then, uh, and then <laughs> Juwan James at, at right tackle. And hopefully all those guys can stay healthy. Um, you know, that's going to be the big key for them. Uh, but really could be uh, the best offensive line we've seen down here in years if they can – stay healthy in jail. So uh, really looking forward to seeing those guys play. Yeah, it certainly could be the best offensive line in recent history. They all have to gel together, of course. They all have to work hard, and Tunsil has to win that starting job, whether it's a left guard or a left tackle or, or somewhere else on the line. Adam Gase has promised he's going to play his best five guys. And that's a big battle that we're going to be watching. We, we've talked about numerous things tonight on, on the relaunch of Finsider Radio and it's been great talking Dolphins football after that long off-season lull. We talked about Adam Gase coming into training camp with the new regime, with the new coaching staff, how training camp is going to be. We talked to Max Himmelrich, owner of the DeepEndMiami.com. He had give us, gave us some information about Gase, about the system the players play in under him. 
about how his practices are going to be. We've talked about numerous things. Fans had some questions through Twitter and, and a live caller about trades, offensive linemen, pass rushers, Ryan Tannehill, Xavier Howard. Um, we talked about the linebacker situation. We talked about a ton of stuff tonight. And it was like I said, it was really, really nice to get back and talk Dolphins football. My co-host Sutton and radio, fantastic job, you too. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of this throughout the entire season, every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, if you can't join us live, you can always download the show or, or listen to it on the Internet during your free time. But we're going to be a huge part of your Dolphin season. We're going to be doing pop-up appearances throughout the season, whether it's after a huge win or a really depressing loss. And hopefully we're not talking mid-season about how the season's over already. But we'll talk about this more, but it's possible with the lack of depth the Dolphins have. But for now, we're going to close it out. We've had enough of this show for tonight. We'll be back with you next Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. By then, the Dolphins will have a few practices under the books already. Remember, it's training camp. Don't take things too seriously yet. Take everything. Be cautiously optimistic. But do not be afraid to double fist and drink that Kool-Aid because I'll be right there with you. So good night. We'll talk to you next week. And be sure to interact with us both on the Finsider.com website and on Twitter. We'll talk to you later. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.